This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, it's Lucy Newberger here. We're back on the Twilight Show. How exciting! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening. You are back here with me on Tuesday's Twilight Show. This evening, we are going to be talking about behaviour charts. Um, I hope you all managed to stay on the green today or you managed to get a gold star. Uh, We'll be talking a bit more about this later. I'm also hopefully welcoming uh, guest Gemma Drinkle this evening who has very kindly said she's going to pop in and chat to us about her experience with behaviour management and with behaviour charts. But as usual, before I launch into my topic, you know me, I like to update you on the goings on around me in my life and the such like. So unfortunately, last week after I spoke to you, I actually ended up being rather ill. Um, My voice managed to hang on for last week's show which I was very grateful for. But from about, well, from Wednesday onwards, to be honest, I was in a bit of a state and I actually ended up being sent home on Thursday. It was was incredibly entertaining, actually, now I look back on it. Um, One of my colleagues, uh, Kat, who is lovely, lovely teacher, a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And I hope I can get her on here at some point to have a chat to you all. If nothing else, she has the most wonderful Scottish accent, which is just a delight to listen to. So, uh, but she marched very purposefully into my room on Thursday lunchtime with her partner teacher and colleague Lou and just said to me, you're going home. Uh, okay. I mean, I was crumpled in my chair trying to, trying to teach year five English, trying to get them enthused by Kensuke's kingdom. And I just felt dreadful. Honestly, my my voice was dying. uh, My head was banging. And they pretty much picked me up and escorted me out of my classroom. And Kat, being the wonderful teacher she is, um, because she has actually taught uh, the exact the the exact uh, curriculum that I was teaching before she's taught Kensuke's Kingdom. She actually wrote the plans that I was teaching and uh, said, don't don't worry, I'm going to carry on and you're going to go home. And that was it. And after that, I pretty much did not leave the house uh, bar to go to the pharmacy for a COVID test, which mercifully was negative, and uh, to go to the corner shop. I only re-emerged on Sunday for a bit of yoga, uh, which actually made me feel better because it happened to be, not to rub it in, but it happened to be in the sunshine because the weather still is glorious here. It's it's funny because in, in Portugal, the the weather I think is actually better in the autumn than it is in the summer. We're currently uh, at about 27, 28 degrees most days at the moment. So it is a bit like uh, an extension of summer. There is definitely no sign of any cold weather 
as yet. So I'm sorry to those of you that are in the UK and dealing with the the rain and, and the cold. I know my mum likes to send me regular updates of uh, just misery pouring down from the skies above the UK. I mean, it certainly seemed when I still lived there that it would it would rain from about sort of, well, now until maybe March, April um, before any respite. But uh, I will not go on about the weather anymore. <laughs> I mean, we are edging ever closer to half term as well. Uh, I know that uh, I think most people in the UK are gearing up sort of two weeks time, I think. But for me, it is it is three, unfortunately. Uh, which isn't, I mean, isn't too bad. We had a very long summer here, so I'm, I'm not too worried about that, that extra week. However, what I did find out is that the reason ours is a week later is because there's actually a public holiday in the first week of November, which school would have to give us if it didn't fall in the half term. So there's been a bit of a jiggery pokery that's gone on with dates there, but hey ho, what can you do? I mean, originally, I wasn't going to do anything with the half term. I was just going to sort of um, mill about here, see what was going on. But I am, in fact, as I mentioned last week, I'm in fact popping back to the UK to not only see, but also meet my favourite comedian, Eliza Schlesinger, with my best friend. So that's going to be absolutely joyful. Um, the only downside to that is that my flight out of Lisbon into London is at seven in the morning. Uh, so... That's going to be very strange uh, and very uncivilized. And also strange because I haven't been on a plane since I landed here over a year ago. So that's going to be exciting stuff as well. What else has been going on this week? <gasps> oh, I saw a Christmas advert. Now, I know I'm going to get uh, a lot of backlash on this, but I am not the world's greatest Christmas fan. I said it. I meant it. Um, but I'm going to caveat what I've just said, because, yes, I do think Christmas adverts before Halloween is ridiculous. And I think Christmas things being in the supermarkets and in the shops already is ridiculous. I'm not going to I'm not going to back down on that. I think it is absolutely daft. I've seen uh, uh, someone I follow on Twitter. I think he's a, I believe he is a fellow teacher or I know he's a fellow teacher. Um, I'm not going to name and shame, but he was uh, very happily working his way through mince pies this week. And uh Needless to say, I I said, put them down. It is it is October. Now, I like Christmas in terms of school because I think for primary age children, um, it's it's a fantastic time. The, the the pure joy that you experience through them, they get excited. Fantastic, great, and yes, okay. Nativities, carol concerts, decorations. Your carpet being covered in glitter I mean I can feel the clenching of, of primary teachers sort of seeping through as I say this um, but yes the the struggle is real in in terms of the glitter um, and just you know it, it is a joyous time and it is lovely and when that show comes together and the the angel Gabriel isn't asleep on the stage or whatever it is it is a joyous time but then you finish school on whatever it is the, the 21st of December and I'm done I'm 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 tapped out. I I kind of I go home and I I go and spend Christmas with my family and I I'm over it because I've been I've been doing it since since mid October as have most of us who who or all of us certainly who work in the primary end of things. I don't quite think it's as big in secondary, but just oh too soon, 
too soon for adverts and uh, maybe I'll continue the Christmas rant on a, on another show. Um, but no one has yet has come into the chat and called me a Grinch. So that's, that's positive. Um, I am absolutely also loving Bake Off. I know there's some fellow diehard Bake Off fans amongst us. And I know that after this, my friend Lawrence and I are going to be doing our usual watch party. Uh, it's become a little bit of a tradition, so we'll be doing that after, after this show. And hopefully he also is going to be joining me next week, but I will tell you more about that at the end of this show. Um, I will say that as always, I am still plugging away with my what's for dinner feature. I'm not giving up on this. I'm determined this will get off the ground before the end of the year. Um, having said that, I still haven't fully committed to what I'm having for dinner this evening. It is a toss up between ordering in and a very simple pasta dish. So I will let you know later on this evening which one of those wins. But if you would like to share with me what you are having for dinner, regardless of what it is, please do because I love to hear from you, I love the inspiration, and I also love the fact that some people just don't care and are probably having a bowl of cereal. So good on you if you are, sometimes needs must. <laughs> uh, right, moving on. Oh, I know what I've forgotten to say, the shows I have enjoyed this week. Um, <laughs> if you have not caught up with, and I know she had a bit of a disaster with the first part of this, because I think only half her show uploaded or something like that, but Tabitha has been taking a very entertaining journey through uh, literary children that you would not like to have in your class. And honestly, I listened to the second half of it today, and it's just a great, great laugh. If you need cheering up and you need something that's lighthearted and really enjoyable and a really easy listen, I thoroughly recommend that you find Tabitha's show because you'll probably agree with, with half the choices of children. And I honestly didn't quite realise how much people really quite despise Matilda. I always had her down as a bit of a favourite, but clearly not. My pet peeve was, was Wimpy Kid, so... I really do think that, you know, wimpy by name, wimpy by nature, and just a bit, uh, just a bit drippy doodah. And I just, I mean, I know that there are children who need a little bit more love and attention sometimes, need a little bit more, um, just a little bit of a hug. But sometimes you just want to say, oh, just, just come on, just stand up for yourself, have a little bit of welly. And wimpy kid just does not in my opinion, but that's a, another chat for another day as well. I'm also really looking forward to catching up with Graham's show. I know that he on, I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday, was talking about relationships between teachers and uh, teachers dating and the, and the such like. And I know that there are a few of us who've touched on this before. It does seem to be quite a, a popular topic for whatever reason. Um, maybe another subtle advert for EduDate. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, if you have a chance to catch up with that, I still need to myself, then, then please do. I'm sure there'll be many uh, wonderful stories that, that will be told by Graham um, to, to make you feel warm inside and make you, some of us feel that there's still hope. There's still hope that there's somebody out there for, for each and every one of us, even the most cynical among us. <laughs> so, that is the week in in brief. Uh, moving on to this week's show. Now, 
behavior management, behavior charts. Behavior management and behavior in classes always seems to be a hot topic of discussion. And I know at the moment there is a BBC series, I think it's called Don't Exclude Me, which I know we shouldn't maybe be plugging things that aren't TTR related, but uh, if you do have a chance to watch that, it is fantastic. It's set in a school in Essex and it's about primary age children. And I'm not going to say any more, just if you have a chance and you want to, to see um, some really actually quite good behaviour management in action and some young teachers really putting their all into trying to keep children in class and trying to ensure that they're doing their best, then please do. It is actually incredibly uplifting. Um, so... Again, part of the reason I am doing behaviour management and talking about behaviour charts this week is there is a, a slight personal connection because uh, we've got a new head teacher at school and um, he's obviously trying to make his mark, trying to kind of uh, get the feel for the school, get to know it, get to understand what we're about. And uh, in a recent staff meeting, he approached the idea of, of updating the behaviour policy. And of course, in principle, there's nothing wrong with that. They need updating. They need to, they need to move forward. They need to make sure that they're still in keeping with, with the school and that it works for our particular school. Great. Not a problem at all. Then he approached the idea of perhaps introducing behaviour charts into classes so having a system on the wall that would that children could move up and down that would be universal across the school and how did we feel about that and there was quite the visceral reaction shall we say um and initially i didn't really sort of understand why i thought well you know I've, it's not it's not my first choice of behavior management i've used them before with uh, varying degrees of success depending on the age group things like that so why why the reaction and it seems to be that the general feeling is that they're a bit old hat so I thought well I'll go and do some research on this I'll go and and see what I can find out and so I had I had a look around and uh, all these things that I refer to this evening I will uh, put in my show notes which I'm getting much better at doing um, so I had a look and I came across various documentation, some for, some against. And uh, one of the things I came across was, I believe this is from Maths No Problem. And this article was about actually using them as a positive tool. And so it starts by saying, good behaviour is essential in the classroom. And, you know, we all work hard as teachers to establish rules. Um, and these can differ between the you know, between classes. And then it goes on to talk about what a behaviour chart is in its simplest form. And most of us will have seen, certainly those of us who work in primary, we will have seen a traffic light system. I know that lower down uh, in school, so in key stage one, for example, teachers like to use maybe a cloud, a rainbow and a sunshine or something that, that shows children can move up and down. Um, and the article goes on to say that actually you can use these charts positively, provided that you are very clear with your children about how it works. And it goes on to say, you know, we must explain to our children that if we're going to have something like this in class, we need to make sure that they understand how it works, 
how you move up and down the chart, okay, and you know why why it's in place in the first place, particularly for younger children. And I'll go on to to talk about that a little bit more when we talk about the the con side of it. Um, children also, and this is very important. And this came up a lot when I was when I was researching. Children need a chance to redeem themselves. So if they do end up on these behavior charts, they do end up going onto red or coming down onto the cloud or whatever it is, they need a chance to be able to work through that and move on from that and, and come back to, a, at the very least, a neutral point. And I will never forget, and this really resonated with me, because uh, when I teacher trained, I had a wonderful tutor called Andy Bloor. Again, he'd be another fantastic guest, but uh, that's a that's a conversation, another conversation for another day. But I will never forget his lasting quote that lives kind of rent free in my brain is never, ever take a child to a place of shame and not show them the way out. And I absolutely live and die by that. And I think whatever age you teach, that is so important. Of course, you know, we need to manage our classrooms. We need to sometimes discipline in 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 a in a louder voice than maybe we'd otherwise want to, although I don't condone shouting at all. But it's so vital that we absolutely are able to show that child the way back. Okay, so I absolutely agree with that. Um and another thing that the Matino Problem article said was that make sure children agree on the rules. Now, I know at the start of the year, a lot of us set out our class expectations where we talk about it, certainly with the older children. I teach year five, so they have uh, they have a great hand in in what they feel the expectations should be. And in my mind, I, I, I think they're more inclined to follow a behavior structure and a rule structure if they've had some say in it. It's It's come from them. Now, of course, you have to kind of marshal that carefully and make sure it's not completely ridiculous. But usually children are, are actually quite good at setting their own boundaries and quite good at, at understanding what is expected of them in the classroom. And so I do believe that they're, they're absolutely more likely to adhere to, to something if they've had a say in it rather than just being dictated to about how their classroom should be. And then, of course, there is speaking to children privately about certain issues that arise in class. And of course, in the middle of a lesson, that is very difficult to do. If someone is acting up, it's it's far easier to move a peg down or a name down or whatever it is without saying a word than it is to go over to them and say, now, look, if, if this continues, then I'm afraid I'm going to have to keep you in a break time or there are going to be consequences. So it's, uh, well, You'd love the opportunity to to have to chat to them in the moment. It's not always it's not always possible to do that. But um, the article definitely does say, you know, by all means, use these charts. Just be mindful about how you do so. Now, on the flip side to that, I found I actually found uh, quite a few articles. And again, I will uh, put these in the show notes, quite a few articles that are absolutely vehemently against any kind of behavior chart. Um, some are from the UK, some are from, from the US, but the, the, the reactions and the sort of principles behind those reactions are largely the same. So the against argument or the cons to these behavior charts, if you like, um, this comes from a education service center 
that I believe is US-based. And one of the first things they say is that behavior charts actually shame students into behaving. So that talks about that shame thing we were, that I mentioned a moment ago, that actually what you're doing is just saying, right, you're on red. And because it's easier, as we said, to move a peg, move a name, whatever it is, than actually go into detail at that moment, you don't know how that student's reacting to that. And again, I think that depends across across the ages, across across the, the levels in school. So uh, in secondary, I don't know if that would have as much of an effect as it would on a five-year-old. And of course, do feel free to, to jump in at any moment uh, during this chat, during this conversation, because I think that there are still a variety of views uh, on this. So I'd love to know kind of what your reaction to, to what I'm saying and to what the research says is. So please do hop on at any time. Um, another thing that this article said was behavior charts don't explain why behavior is wrong, which of course they don't. They are a visual aid. They sit there on the wall and children can see whether they are on whatever it is, green, yellow, red, cloud, sunshine, rainbow. And it gives a very quick indication of where they are, but it doesn't tell them why necessarily. Now, they might be acutely aware of why if they've been pinging a ruler umpteen times before being asked to, or repeatedly being asked to stop. They might have been calling out whatever it is, but sometimes they might not. They might not necessarily be aware of why their name has moved. And of course, it is very difficult yet again to stop mid-lesson and say, well, Tommy, Johnny, whoever you are. And also, that's another thing we always seem to go to boys' names when we're talking about naughty behaviour, but it's not necessarily true. I fell into my own trap there. <laughs> but the point still stands. You know, they, whoever it is, little Sarah, might not understand why, why that is, why they've been moved down. And it is, I suppose, up, well, it is. It's up to us as teachers to make sure that we do follow that up. And if they've gone out to break or gone out to lunch, that can be quite difficult to do. And they might be carrying the weight of being put onto red without really understanding why. And actually, in another article I read, which is, where is it? I've got too many bits of paper, as always. Um, I don't remember where I got this one from, but it was actually a mother talking about how her own young child came home and was so upset by the fact that they were put on red without an expert, without what they felt was a suitable explanation, that they were saying things like, well, my teacher hates me, my teacher can't stand me. Now, I don't know about the rest of you teachers out there, but if I'd let a child go home feeling like that, that would absolutely break my heart. I mean, you might have been annoyed in the moment, frustrated in the moment, it happens to all of us, it happens to some of us on a maybe daily basis, dare I say, but at the same time, we're still teachers. We're still in this job because we love kids. We're still in this job because we want to be there. You don't want a child going home feeling like you hate them. I mean, that to me is just absolutely horrifying. So maybe another quite strong con for, for behavior charts there. Another point in the Education Service Centre article is that actually, by and large, students don't value these behavior charts. Um, and a lot of them don't. 
a lot of them don't. I've certainly worked in classes where they're almost goading you in some cases to put them on red or put them on amber or whatever it is because they don't give a monkeys because ultimately they they know that really the worst the worst that's going to happen some of them are not afraid of the head teacher or they they they're not worried about further sanctions or it's a, it's of no real consequence to them and it's just a vicious cycle of behavior that they have got into and therefore moving up and down this this kind of color bit of card they couldn't care less which i i, I do and i've definitely seen in action in the past so another very strong con there um what else I think, I mean, overall, it's 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 still really an open argument. But it'd be interesting to know what our guest Gemma Drinkle, who actually works in secondary, has to say about this, because her experience will be different to mine at uh, primary level. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, have a break for the news, and hopefully Gemma is in the studio and she will call in, and we can get her views and feelings on all of this. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Schools are being told to stockpile dry and tinned foods in the event of an ongoing shortage. Food supply company ISS have issued the warning following the continued lack of HGV drivers in the UK. It is thought supply chain issues could last until February, with school kitchens being asked to have a two-week backup supply of non-perishable food products as a contingency plan. Education unions are pushing for the reinstatement of mask policies across schools. The latest statistics show that 1 in 15 children in school years 7 to 11 are estimated to have had COVID in the last seven days the highest rate of positivity for any age group. Unions feel this leaves secondary schools particularly vulnerable. No action has been taken, but the new education secretary did not rule out the return to masks in classrooms. At a conference this week, Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi said there were not enough blackhead teachers working in English schools. He said he thinks it is critical that teaching is an inclusive profession where leadership teams reflect their communities. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. 
Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Every teacher loves stationery, right? Imagine getting a selection of fun, beautiful and unique stationery items designed and selected especially for teachers delivered through your door every month. You need to check out teacherslovestationery.club. I'm always so excited when the box arrives. It's such a treat. My Teachers Love Stationery Club box is just a little treat to myself every month. It's always full of delightful and surprising items, including some really good quality stationery brands. And because you never know what you're going to get, it makes it even more fun and special when you get it. Visit teacherslovestationery.club and enter the code TTRADIO when you buy your first stationery box to save £2 today. Teacherslovestationery.club Welcome back to The Twilight Show. You are with me, Lucy Newberger, and we are talking about behaviour charts. Now, just before I... My, my, my guest has just tried to call in. Gemma, if you'd like to try and call in again. Sorry, I missed that. I was just uh, uh, distracted by a comment that I was going to read out from TSCW, which said, uh, some feel that they can control the behaviour chart more than they feel they can control anything else. It is on their terms and in a strange way in their comfort zone, despite being uncomfortable. Now, that goes back to what we were saying about them, about some children not giving a monkey's uh, about about behavior charts because it's just a, a thing on the wall and actually really it bears no consequence to to their day-to-day -day life so um i'm going to try and welcome my guest now Gemma. so if you are there Gemma, can you please try and call back in again because i did see you so hopefully oh fantastic she's there Gemma, can you hear me Gemma, can you I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Fantastic. Welcome to the Twilight Show. It's an absolute de delight to have you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for allowing me to join you. Oh, brilliant! And I'm so, I'm so sorry about uh, about what happened just there. Sometimes we have a. Uh, a few issues, but we seem to be able to iron them out relatively quickly. Um, so, Gemma, before we launch into our discussion, can you please introduce yourself and your role in, in education and where, where you're at at the moment? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm, a, I'm a former secondary um, school teacher. I used to teach religious studies, um, did that along with co-leading the department and uh, being an academic leader for year 10 as well, which was behaviourally a good amount of fun as well. Um, now I help teachers to create clear boundaries and love their job again um, and really just being the person there for teachers when the going gets tough and they're feeling overwhelmed and uh, just need that space to kind of rant and rave and, and 
pick themselves up and go again, I suppose. I mean, that sounds like something we we all need. I, I certainly have had had a day of it with with year five, where um, at one point today, when I set them some work, they order some of them audibly groaned. So that <laughs> gives you some <laughs> idea of kind of today's proceedings. But anyway, enough about that. So thank you very much for for introducing yourself. And where I want to start is. I mean, you already alluded to uh, year 10 being uh, uh, an interesting behavior behavior situation for you. And you're coming at this from a, from a secondary perspective, I understand, uh, which is obviously yeah. different to primary. And I'm just wondering, did, were, when you were in the classroom still, were you using behavior charts for your behavior management or was there a, a, different, uh, a different approach with secondary school students? I mean, the interesting thing about the school I worked in was there was a behaviour policy, but it was up to you how to interpret it and implement it in your classroom. So over my time, I kind of experimented with numerous things. Um, started with a classic um, class dojo, mm -hmm. which was really good fun, but I never really wanted to add any negative things. So I found that quite difficult to actually be negative to begin with. Um, and that just felt very, it just felt like a lot of work to do and making sure you had the right class up and updating the class and things. And, and many of the students were familiar with it because I used it with the younger years because they experienced it at primary school. And that, that certainly helped familiarize and settle students in and things, but wasn't really a method that I found great joy in. What I eventually settled on was a, a mixture of raffle tickets um, and um, a behaviour tally, if you like, on the board. So negative behaviour um, was put up on the board in terms of, you know, you've received a verbal warning. Um, this is uh, your written warning. And a third warning means that you're out of the classroom and we have a chat. Having listened to your discussion so far, and certainly what I've reflected on since leaving the classroom is that was really harsh. Like, you know, having people's names up on the board um, and particularly like, you know, very often with a class of 30 kids, it's difficult to actually pinpoint who's doing what. Mm -hmm. So you might put someone's name up and it's not the right person or you're just making an example of that person to try and demonstrate to the rest of them. Um but I certainly take into consideration what you said earlier about making the time to explain to students why, you know, why their name is on the board or why they've received the reward of a raffle ticket um, so that it is clear on what your expectations are. But like you said, it's not always easy to. No, and I know that some people that I've spoken to on Twitter this week have mentioned the the idea of sort of uh, naming and shaming on the board as something that they that they would never do and being called out in front of a whole class. But of course, it's uh, I think it's enormously frustrating for for teachers because there is the the, the school of thought. Well, well, how else do I manage it? How else do I? Uh, sort of show that actually I do, you know, I am here to teach you and I am here to, to run this lesson. And if you don't want to be a part of that, then, you know, I am I am going to make an example of you. And it, I understand how we end up in situations like that. It's, it's, it's very easily done. And as we said, you know, it's, we, we may well intend to have these chats with children afterwards, but often they just want to, they just want to run away as fast as they can they want to you know they're trying to get to their next lesson or they're they're trying to go out to break so it's it is there is a difficulty there 
Yeah, and I certainly empathise with what um, TSCW said about it's it's in your comfort zone because, yeah, it's so much easier to just, you know, move a name um, than it is to actually stop the entire lesson. And when you have to stop the lesson, you know, somewhere in the back of your mind, you're just thinking, can't you just let me do my job? Can't you just let me teach? And it's at that point that you remember that actually behaviour management is a part of teaching, which sounds like a really stupid thing to say, I appreciate, but it's it is part of the role is that you develop these relationships with students so that you can do the main part of your job that the um, learning effectively. Well, yeah, I, th- I think so. And I think that there are people who are not, who have not been teachers or are not a part of the profession. I think a lot of the time they say, well, you know, you just, you just walk in and, and, and teach and they're there. You know, lots of 30 little faces or however many faces it is, whether it's primary or secondary, ready to learn. And it just does not work like that. It's it's uh, and it's not a silly thing to say at all, because I think that unless you have lived it and unless you have been a class teacher, you have no real idea what is going on at any given time. And of course, those 25, 30 children, whatever age they are. They're coming into the classroom and they're not just kind of bright, shiny things with nothing to worry about. They're, they're bringing in everything with them. So how they're going to behave in that lesson could depend on the day, which way the wind's blowing, if they're primary children, the, you know, the, the lunar cycle. I mean, it, you know, you can, you can kind of say whatever you like. But then, of course, on a more serious note, there are, you know, the day-to-day matters in their own lives. You don't know often what they are hauling into that classroom with them to determine kind of how that lesson is going to go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and we come with our own baggage as well. There's, you know, 30 odd people, all with their own stuff going on in the background. Um, You know, how you respond. And I think that's also actually the other thing about behaviour charts, for instance. You know, you're trying to be objective. But Mm -hmm. one week, you might have had an absolute stinker of a lesson beforehand and you take it out, you don't intentionally, but you take it out on the next group, whether you mean to or not. And suddenly everyone's on the naughty side of the board. You're just like, well, that's a terrible lesson. And but that isn't it's I think the thing with the behavior charts is they're not actually objective they are based on your opinion partly as a teacher you know if you if you have a different level of standard to the teacher in the next classroom along from you then those students will have a completely different experience so it is a question of how do we standardize but also how do we take ourselves and kind of even the students out of the equation? You know, if, you, if you've if you got a student who you know is having a bad time, you might go a bit, not easy on them, but you will choose to treat that situation in a different way compared to a student that you may not know anything is going on in particular in the background. So, you know, our opinions as, as professionals really do make a difference. Well, absolutely. And I think also... I mean, you can kind of poly, policy, I can't even speak, policy yourself up to the eyeballs and you can absolutely have that standardised policy and it, and it will exist. It'll exist in, in every school up, up and down the land, wherever you happen to be. It will be, uh, and, you, and you'll kind of know what it is. But as you say, you know, we are human and those children, children are human. And, you know, even if I compare from a primary point of view, the class I had last year with the class I have this year, um, and I know that uh, some people, you know, they refer to it as the dream versus the challenge class. So I'm in my dream year this year, having had the challenge last year. So I'm managing things very differently. So, yeah, even between the classes you're having, you're going to, they're going to be, 
subtle and sometimes enormous differences in who they are, which means they need to be managed differently to say, you know, last year's class or, you know, year seven versus year nine. Yeah, exactly. And and how and your expectations as a teacher and actually expectations of the student will also influence that. You know, if you're going, going, I've got the dream class this year, then generally you won't be seeking out negative behavior you'll only be seeing positive things about them likewise if it was a challenging class you know you go in with you know your wall paint on and and ready to kind of like tackle anything that comes your way um and I remember classes like that where you know by the end of the lesson I've got nearly a dozen out of the classroom just to try and make it manageable for myself and I'm thinking that's now that doesn't happen with my other classes in that year group so what is it that's different yeah it's the characters that are in there um, but our approaches to it as well will will strongly influence that. And then if students are going into your lessons expecting, you know, you with your like war paint on and, and gearing you know, up for a fight, them. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I had a particular year nine class where I power dressed for them because I felt like I really had to be my best to tackle them. Because if I wasn't, you know, everything would just go to you know up the chute. So. <laughs> how we expect things to go will will heavily influence and then that's how the students also feel i think so i mean it's just made me think of something i've got a real issue with them flopping across tables at the moment and it drives me absolutely <laughs> to distraction and so i've tried to almost model to them and say and i've sort of slumped over my tongue so if i taught like this you know with my head in my hands how would you feel and of course they find that hilarious so i'm thinking oh gosh you know i'm not i'm not making this is not the point i wanted to make you know i can't <laughs> i want you to just sit up and at least look like you want to be here please <laughs> Yeah, yes. which then reflects back what we're expecting because it might be they're slumped over because, well, you know, they haven't developed the upper body strength to hold themselves up, but they're actually really engaged. Like, <laughs> we don't know what the specifics are. No, and I think, I mean, I did sort of a, a huge amount of kind of child psychology in my undergraduate degree. And, uh, you know, in the moment, it's like I never, never did any of that. It's sort of out the window. No, that, <laughs> that never happened. And I'm standing there thinking, I don't know what to do here. Um, and sometimes I do wish for just kind of, oh, you know, can I just kind of move a name? Um, but actually i i don't necessarily sort of think that 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 would work in the vast majority of schools but i suppose my my next question to you is why if if we know that these aren't particularly effective and the research there's more and more research coming out saying you know perhaps these aren't the right thing why is it that head teachers are still pushing and plugging these and saying actually we do want these is it so we you know we have evidence of a behavior policy in action or is it just because we actually haven't done enough research here to think okay well how can we do this differently I think that's a really good question and I'm going to say it depends but I do feel that if if a school or if a senior leadership team is is grounding their work in research I mean that's a challenge in itself there's so much research coming out all the time and you know, it can sound quite contradictory sometimes if there's different things coming out and, and how do you keep track of all the different topics. But they ought to be brave enough to make that change. And I think the other thing that you face as a senior leadership team is sometimes that there may be, and this is particularly maybe in secondary schools, there may be this um, view of senior leadership as the inner circle they don't do classroom stuff they do the classroom walks but they don't teach anymore you know 
what do they actually know like i'm the one you know on the on the ground doing the work um and there may be a bit of tension there to against change and i think naturally as human beings we don't like change anyway so if we feel very set in our ways and go well this is this is how it's done and this is how i do it in my classroom receiving new information or receiving an alternative can often feel like more hassle even if actually in the longer run it does create the better change that we are seeking and you know i i don't feel that there is enough um understanding really um provided in like teacher training about child psychology so that we actually do understand how these people are feeling because you know we can often slip into like the theme that parents have of oh you know well I was I was at school I know what it's like um to be a teacher well you know I was a young person I know how they feel you know we're usually like at least you know 10 20 years older than them we've forgotten really what it's like day in day out as a student um so it's it's really actually getting that better understanding and I don't necessarily think that is provided and unless it's something that you are interested in as an individual teacher I don't think it'd be something that you'll seek out um along with everything else that we need to do day-to-day as teachers because mm-hmm. we obviously we you know we're 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 we go through our safeguarding stuff every year. We know what to look for. We've done that training so many times. We know, you know, we, we think we know that, okay, right, I've got safeguarding nailed. I, I, I kind of get it. But it's so much more nuanced than that. And it's so much more, as you say, you know, the, those those little subtle things, whether it's just, you know, that someone's had a bad day, whether it's a bereavement, whatever it is, that these children just, you know, it's, it's when you've got 30 of them as well to kind of... Uh, Think about each and every one of them emotionally before you even begin to to teach. It's it's a lot, and I think you're right. I certainly don't really recall in teacher training because mine wasn't that long ago. Um, it's sort of really kind of going into any depth on that. We had a few sort of cursory lectures on it, but it again, I don't think it really landed in the way that it needed to. Uh, so I think that yes, and I, and we talk, we kind of come back to on, on the show a lot. We refer back to teacher training a lot and what needs to be included. And honestly, the way we're going is going to be, you know, going to be in university for forever because there's there's so much that we just until you step into that classroom and have your own class that actually that, that's just not in the in the manual uh, in inverted commas as it were because it just isn't the the time to kind of go there. And as you say, without the sort of unless you're personally looking into that and reading into that it's it's a very difficult thing to to manage yeah absolutely um and you're right you know there is and a pgc year is is just so overwhelming that anything that is actually given to you, you may not even remember and i think that's then you know what is what is the best policy when it comes to behavior because you know it may be that you go to a school that says this is how we do it and everyone does the same, in which case, great, all the students can accept the same in each class, that's wonderful. But if that doesn't fit with you, how do you mould to that? Like, is that just simply, okay, this school isn't for me? Um, I mean, I struggled with that for a while at my school, because it was like, what what should I do? What is the best way to manage this? And eventually, then coming to terms with what's good for you um, is beneficial. And it does come back down to those relationships again. Um, but like you said, you know, if there's 30 in the class, I mean, it, it, 
the this challenge crosses over into like differentiation like how do we personally provide for each and every individual in that classroom when it's just one of us and and how do we cope with that it there has to be a you know we've got to cut our losses in order to just make something work oh definitely and I think also you know when I think about behavior I think a lot of people again who are not part of the profession almost think you know oh we're just looking for compliance we're looking for you know yes miss no miss three bags full miss and no that's not I, I feel that's not what I'm looking for I, I want them to be there and engaged and responding to what I'm doing but I'm not here to create robots I'm not here to create you know someone who just you know absolutely it's just to the letter, da, 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 because humans aren't like that, and children certainly are not like that. So it's it's again, and I think this is where the psychology element that we're talking about comes in. It's it's got to be not just about basic compliance. It's it's there's more to it than that. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a question of how do we put that across because it's, that it's is hard. often a criticism of behaviour policies, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And I certainly think, um, and I'm going to go there with the whole COVID thing, because somebody mentioned to me today, because I was having a moan on Twitter about the fact that I was struggling with, with my class. Not, not. I mean, they are, I mean, I work, I work in an international school, the, 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 the behaviour, we do not have as a school, we do not have a behaviour issue as such. But there's a lot of kind of low level nonsense that's going on at the moment. And I think a large part of it is because children have forgotten how to be at school. Um, I mean, my 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 current year fives, their last full school year was year two. I think that's right. Yeah, year two, which mm -hmm. is absolutely bananas when I think about it. So they haven't really had. Yeah, they haven't had a full school year since since they were whatever it was, six, seven. And it's I think a lot of the kind of disruption and the things coming in now are because they spent goodness knows how long staring at the computer staring at the four walls of home not being around anybody else apart from immediate family and of course that is kind of coming back into school now and we're all a bit kind of even us teachers as well are all a bit kind of oh god we are quite literally sort of starting again yeah I, I agree and it it can it's it's resulting in a far longer feeling of this half term for a lot of people mm, most um, definitely yeah i mean it's it's also a, a separate part of behavior is this you know how much responsibility are parents taking or guardians taking for their children um you know the many instances as a teacher where you know i've gotten to the point in my behavior um, chart where right I'm doing a phone home which mm -hmm. is always frustrating because you're like well that's that's more work for me to do now wonderful um, yep. and you know parents and, and guardians can just be like well you know it's happened now so what can I do about it and it's and obviously not all parents or guardians are like that whatsoever um, it's a healthy mix of, of every type of opinion about it but there is a element of it's not solely the school's responsibility to ensure that good well-rounded human beings are coming out of the education system it's it's everyone's responsibility oh of um, course and yeah yeah 
Well, no, I mean, I think also, I mean, just thinking about that, the flip side to that is, you know, how dare you put my little darling on 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 red? You know, I, I demand <laughs> I demand an explanation. And of course, you know, that's the other uh, again, you know, with with the charts as well. It's kind of well, it happened in the moment. the The parent wasn't wasn't there in the moment. They they didn't see what went happened. So they 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 have to kind of take your your version of events as as well as gospel as 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 what happened Mm. and sometimes they are just quite simply not willing to accept that so you're kind of it's sort of a damned if you do and damned if you don't type scenario in some cases where it's just well you know this is this is what we're using they did end up on red here's why and uh let's hope we can kind of go go up from here and improve from here and it's oh it's an absolute minefield it's just a blip yeah and and then you you feel that you have to justify and protect yourself um from the situation that, that's been created and oh. in that respect it's it I mean for me when I think of behavior charts I do predominantly think of like negative behavior because that was that was my chart my positive behavior completely revolved around raffle tickets um I don't know how much money I spent as a teacher on raffle ticket books but it it was simply that I just as much as I could, and I know I did falter very often and with particular classes more so than others, focus on the positives and and ensuring that students understand why you are rewarding them, uh, just the same as why you may be, you know, putting the name on the naughty side of the board, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that can make a positive difference. It can certainly improve um, the relationships and if where possible give students that control and power of you know I mean I had students who were just like oh I want a raffle ticket and I'm like okay explain to me why you have earned or how you have earned that raffle ticket so then they need to justify it for themselves and for me um and and giving that ownership back over to students because it is with ownership that we naturally take care and responsibility for something Oh, absolutely. And I think trying to trying to instill that is is very difficult. And having something on the wall that's kind of there sort of that for some students, there are there are always going to be the ones who are going to be sort of in that red zone or are never going to move up or are never going to kind of get those those uh that kudos or whatever it is and uh, I know that in some schools they use kind of a point system where they end up getting uh, bronze, silver and gold certificates. And uh, there are situations like that where where children, because of for whatever reason that their behaviour is perhaps not normally, you know, good in class, but they're working on it and you know that they're working on it, but they're not quite getting enough to sort of get those points or move up and down that chart. That also is incredibly disheartening and incredibly kind of, oh, well, you know, there's the rest of them sort of you know moving on up and, and kind of getting getting the rewards and getting things like that. And there's me, well, you know, if I'm not going to move up the chart, I might as well not bother. And it almost kind of feeds that that negativity and that and that poor behavior. Absolutely. And, and pitching students against students and saying, well, there's only one you know prize or whatever and if you're a student that in the past has not been well praised or um you know your behavior hasn't been brilliant in the past that's that's just immediately incredibly disheartening you know what's the point in changing you know at least i'm known for being one way and and it's easier and to just stick by it it doesn't really encourage that growth mindset 
Oh no, it's definitely not a strong mention of growth mindset there, which I think is, you know, I think there's still a huge, huge value in that. And I don't, I mean, again, we sort of dip in and out of it in, in the schools that I've been into. Maybe that's something that we need to, to use more of, which does feed into that positivity and positive praise and, and you know, not quite getting there yet, but, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying and we're still moving forward. Because I think, again, the, the sort of the, what I've kind of understood in all of this is that, we need to look for the positive, and particularly in the current climate, with children coming back into school after a, a length of time. They're they're not interested in in sort of in the, in the negative side. We 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 need to be boosting them, moving them forward. And of course, there do need to be consequences for those who are are misbehaving. I just think that there is room for further discussion and more to be said, rather than just kind of oh schools need to be said oh well we've got a behavior policy look we use a traffic light system this is this in action it's not it's not enough and i think that now more than ever we need to be understanding the children that are in front of us what they've been through what they've experienced and of course you know there's sort of the argument well don't teachers do enough Yes, we do. But at the same time, we also, as you have rightly said, have a degree of responsibility towards those people in our classroom to to kind of do better for them and kind of make them want to be better as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's all sounds brilliant. And I suppose the alarm bell that comes up for me and, and this is my background and my new and my current role speaking mm. of how do we do that and balance the workload of teachers and the yeah. well-being of teachers um, to make this as effective as possible? Because, you know, there's not that many teachers that don't really truly care about their students. You know, the vast majority of teachers want to do the very best for their students and do the very best by them as well. Mm -hmm. But we it, are finite beings. How do we, How do we find that balance? I think that is where the discussion needs to go. Oh, most definitely. And I think, you know, again, in all of in all of this conversation, we, of course, have, you know, fixed on on the ch on the children's side of it and how all this affects them. And it's again, it's very easy to go down that rabbit hole. And of course, that is an enormous part and you know, a large part of what, what we've spoken about this evening and how these charts and what the effect is on on them. But it's it's always always comes back around to us. And as, and as you've said, it's, you know, we we do care and we do absolutely want to do a best by our pupils but how can we how can we do this without sort of being any more tired than we already are i mean the yeah. we we got enough grief in lockdown um because apparently we weren't doing enough. I mean, I knew teachers, myself included, who were absolutely making those phone calls uh, home, who were doing, going above and beyond, sending, sending videos, sending all sorts. I mean, it's, we, 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 we do care. That, that's never going to be the issue. But I think that, as you okay. say, we need to find a way that we can keep it going and keep education as a whole moving forward in the wake of all this and keep everybody motivated. But that includes teachers teachers too because without us it kind of it, it ceases to be yeah absolutely um and I think that that challenge then comes back around to what we said earlier about um you know uh, how do teachers or senior leaders or head teachers implement this in their schools um when they are in reality going to face a bit of a backlash as oh not another thing oh you know I've only just set this up why have I got to change it um and it's going to be a, a 
fine balance of protecting and, and looking after teachers whilst promoting the well-being of all involved and making sure that actually what we're doing is of the highest benefit for our students because you know there'll be many people as adults that are just kind of like, oh you know I had this teacher and they were awful and I was always you know considered naughty and I was never actually that bad and you know actually we, we have the potential to be harming these students with these behavior policies so we need to minimize that as much as possible whilst still working within the confinements of reality as well Ah, yes making sure that we you know we stay we stay grounded and as you say I think it's it's very easy to kind of have these lovely whimsical chats about you know ideal scenarios but as you say we are the ones on the ground and we have to 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 make sure that it that it is feasible Gemma I know that uh, you uh, have a, a lovely evening ahead of you, so I'm going to, uh, I'm very conscious of the time, so I am in fact going to uh, let you go at this point. I think it's a lovely kind of uh, end point to, to our chat. So um, I want to wish you a, a lovely evening and thank you so much for making the time to, to come on. I really do appreciate it and for you to share your, your insights. It means, uh, means a great deal to me, so thank you. Thanks for having me, Lucy. It's been really nice to chat. Uh, yes, and you are welcome anytime, Gemma. I really, really, really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Have Thank a nice you, evening. Gemma. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. So that was Gemma there sharing her experiences with behaviour charts in secondary schools. And we sort of, we ended up kind of opening the discussion a bit more, a bit more widely there into, into behaviour as a whole and kind of where we've ended up at the moment. And I think that's an important thing that we have talked a great deal about how these behaviour charts and our behaviour management of, as teachers affects children, which of course it does, you know, it's such a large part of what we do on a daily basis and certainly I've been in schools where actually I feel like I was doing more behavior management and moving names all over the place than I was doing actual teaching apologies to any of my previous head teachers who are listening to, <laughs> who are listening to this but uh, I do feel that there are cases where that happens but what we kind of neglect in all of this and I suppose what I almost left out of my research into this was actually how these policies affect us as teachers. I mean, I know that we sort of touched on the idea of, you know, a child ending up on, on red or at the bottom end of a behavior chart and thinking that their teacher hates them. But a lot of the time you don't, you don't get that feedback. It's, it's that feedback goes home and you, you sort of don't, don't hear the other side of it. Um, but of course, you know, it's not so much about being hated or disliked as a teacher. It's as, it's as much about, you know, OK, well, if we're not going to use these charts, how are we going to do this? How are we going to ensure that we are praising our children in a positive way? But we're also showing that there are consequences if they do misbehave in lessons or if they do misbehave around the school. And I think that it is an ongoing discussion that needs to keep happening, particularly in the wake of COVID, particularly now that we've all been shoved back into school and we've got to get on with each other. And that includes teachers as well. You know, we, we uh, <laughs> have had quite the time of it too. And I think that once again, that often gets neglected. We, we're, we're the afterthought. It's very much about the children, as it rightly should be. Our focus should be on them and how they're doing and how we're going to manage them going forward. But it's also about what is sustainable for us as teachers. You know, can we 
really be doing a, a deep dive into the innermost workings of 30 children? Well, no, that's not realistic. You know, we, we do get to know them. And I certainly, I'm sure you as teachers as well, know some absolutely bizarre and wonderful things about your students. I mean, you know which football teams they support. You do know a lot, just, just through absorption. You know who uh, goes to horse riding on a Tuesday or gymnastics on a Wednesday. You know, kind of, if if somebody's grandmother lives with them. You know, you know, you know these things. These are all kind of things that we do anyway, just by the very nature of the of the role that we are in. But I think there certainly always needs to be an openness about how we are managing children, how we are dealing with behaviour in our classrooms, and how we're doing it in a way that is both kind to them and their learning, but also kind to, to us teachers. And I don't necessarily feel, I think the behaviour chart has got a, a firm no from this, from this conversation this, this evening, but you know, let me know how you feel about it. You might have used them in your class with, with great success. You really might be a fan of them. And I'd love to hear from you, whether it's on Twitter or on here. And, and let me know, because it might be that I... I am misguided in in my thoughts and feelings, or I am uh, looking for for sort of the magical unicorn that doesn't exist. I, I I truly don't know what the answer is, and maybe there isn't just just one answer. But um, as always, it's been incredibly enlightening, actually. Um, certainly, hearing from Gemma and doing the research for this. I mean, I'm I'm forever learning, which uh, as a teacher is always a good thing. And I think that. Um, if nothing else, we should definitely be promoting that to our students as well, that we that we learn something new every day and that uh, there are teachable moments to be had all the time. So I'm actually going to leave it there for today because I don't think I need to, to go on anymore. I think we've we've talked we've talked a great deal. We've talked a lot about we've covered a lot in a very short space of time, actually. Just oh, another comment's come through. Um, I only used a positive behaviour chart. I didn't like highlighting negatives at the front of the class and making that behaviour high profile. I think that's important too. I think we we definitely need to focus on the positives. It's absolutely vital. Um, and I know I go on about COVID and I know I've gone on about the fact that we've suffered enough, but it is it is true. We are in very strange times and I think we need to do everything we can to keep ourselves motivated, our children motivated, everyone around us. We really need to make an effort to to have a maybe a more holistic approach towards education. And I know somebody said to me on Twitter that actually... Uh, instead of banging on at your children about sort of yawning, yawning in class and kind of groaning about work, maybe do some more holistic things with them that kind of do boost their mood and their self-esteem and their togetherness and maybe do some team building. And then you might actually find that the rest of it comes a bit more naturally. So uh, stay tuned. And I'm going to uh, let you know how that side of it, how that side of it goes. And if you have any ideas for some team building exercises for nine, 10 year olds, I would also love to hear from you as well um because uh yeah i think i think it is it is much needed so to wrap up uh, after me this evening you've got libby isaac and she has got a very packed show i've actually just got to check my notes to see who she's got on she's got tara and katie from essential letters and sounds so i think that's phonics related which will be interesting um i often miss out on things to do with phonics because as an upper key stage two teacher it's kind of almost something i i forget about i know how to do it and i could teach it if I had to, but it's often something that we, we I think, at the upper end of the schools forget about. But she's also got um, 
Wendy Orr, who is a children's author coming on as well. So there is so much happening there. So I'm looking forward to, to catching up with that. In the meantime, I have a very important date with The Great British Bake Off. So I am off to watch that. Uh, have a lovely evening, everybody. And I will speak to you again soon. Oh, before I go, very important. What I must say to you is that next week I've got an absolutely brilliant show with my friend Lawrence, my Bake Off watching buddy, where we are going to be talking about how he navigates working in a school uh, with a disability. And it's going to be a fascinating chat. This is a project we've been working on for a very long time. So I am really, really looking forward to that. And please do tune in because he is a fantastic talker. He talks almost as much as I do. So it's going to be a lot happening in that show. So please do tune in. Right, I really truly am finished now, I promise. So I'm going to let you all go and um, I will speak to you all very soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.